Birds and the Bees. Uh, I am Mason. This is Danny. This is Dave. You sound so disappointed, Dave. <laughs> That's... I mean... Okay, perpetual state of life aside. <laughs> uh, I feel you there. The funny thing is that kind of brings us to our topic in a way. Uh, this episode... <laughs> Welcome to the episode. We're all set. No, um, we're actually pretty excited about this one. There's uh, an interesting aspect of D&D where it can be, or in tabletop games in general, where they can be fairly long form. Um, and with any long form thing in life, that means that you can lose your interest in it from time to time. And today we kind of want to talk about, uh, you know, what happens when there, when you lose the spark, so to speak, and you want to try and find that back because, you know, that, that can be a tough thing and there's a lot of ways it can happen. Um, in general, I think, do you, want, do you want to just start about, like, maybe mentioning some ways that we've experienced that in our, in our experience with the games, um, oh, just to kind of put it in context for people? Uh, I'll go on that one. Okay. Big one for me and our group in general is, uh, the last couple of years have been rocky for everybody, and, uh, we've all been progressing in our own personal lives as well. And that's led to uh, interruptions in gameplay. And uh, for me, for me, uh, long, long lengths of time between sessions really, no matter how hard I try, it just it just uh, disassociates me more and more with my character. Yeah. And Whereas if we're playing every week or every other week or even every month, uh, it's something I can I can look forward to uh, and keep myself engaged in the campaign. So, yeah, big one for me is just time spent away from character and uh, the friends I have. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing, David. And just a reminder, this is a safe place. <laughs> yeah all, all thoughts are back. <laughs> no i i definitely i definitely second that especially uh with school ramping up a lot for me but also covid i mean w- we all moved to digital yeah um, and i think that has perhaps taken a bigger toll than we first gave it credit for there's a lot of things i like um for one, it's really easy for me to mute the mic and fart. That's nice. Uh, you mute the mic? Rather than just holding it in. All... <laughs> Mason the sound. Well, I try. <laughs> Dude, Dude. Mason, Mason role plays bodily functions. Dude, there's, there's a player in the one where I'm a GM. Um, he, I don't know what it is. He, whenever I hang out with him at any other time, he's not particularly gassy. D&D night. He is a tootin' machine, dude. Oh, man. Talking about this, he's yeah, so, so excited because um, <laughs> it was almost like heartwarming that he didn't mute his mic when he had to fart <laughs> because it felt like we were still in the same room when we went online. <laughs> oh, that's that's actually heartwarming, right? In a stinky way, I'm adorable. heart and seat warming <laughs> farts by Johnson and Johnson. Oh. Um, Bodily functions and faux pas aside, um, but no, I think there definitely is a disconnect there where there's a different energy level 
Um, and then beyond that, personally, I think I went through a lot of changes with my character. Uh, mm-hmm. And also just in the campaign arc where I'm kind of um, trying to discover or rediscover my character um, after a lot of things have changed. It's It's been bonkers. It's It's been bonkers. And, and one of the big changes that your character went through is like his core motivation was not only resolved, but then also actively changed through some memory modification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, deleted. Essentially. Yeah, and so I, and so I don't know about role playing that. It's just yeah, yeah. Because well, I don't know about YouTube, but for me, like the, the motivation is the first thing I look to when I'm trying to role play a character, right? And so having years of like this is the the reason I do things, and having that changed, while well, a very impactful story moment, it makes it hard to get back into that character because that's the thing I love, right? Is like I love making decisions in that way, and having to make them in a new way is very weird. That's really interesting because I take almost a almost a polar opposite approach when I made my character is I did backstory first, um, whereas you seem to have figured out your character's internal motivation first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's interesting. I I kind of made that as a choice because I realized the reason. I at least ever wrote backstory was to give context for the motivation and I was like well if I have the motivation that's what's gonna make me act like that character before I even know what their backstory is so I can create a cohesive character without ever having their backstory and then create a backstory that fits how I actually play them um, I think I've mentioned so, that before but Danny how did, how did you uh, you make your backstory for Theo well to be honest, how I made the backstory is very different than what the backstory actually was, because... <laughs> That's how it often goes. It was, I mean, I'm still, and, and maybe this is also compounding, I feel like I have a lot of different factors going into me metaphorically not being able to get it up during gameplay. <laughs> um, part of it's also, I, I, this is the only character I've ever made. Um, mm-hmm. and I sat down and I painted a whole picture of what I thought it was going to be. And then I was welcomed to this chaotic, beautiful world that is a group role-playing game <laughs> and it became something really cool. And so, um, that was really fun to see but also as soon as i felt like i was able to define and finally get a hold on that backstory it resolved my my characters are resolved mhm and i'm kind of like what now and i think i've been kind of taking the back seat and being polite cuz i want to see your characters get the same thing and I think I've almost swung too far in the other direction sometimes. Yeah. In that, no, this is a three-person, well, four-person game. I should not be unfair to Trevor, um, just because he's not with us tonight. Um, but we should all be playing equal parts, and I think I admittedly backed off a bit too much. I've I've felt that same way, where, where Pitt has always been a bit of a passive character, where there's definitely been times where I, I started feeling like, 
disconnected or like just unengaged from the game. And I'm like, well, it's because I backed off too far. Just start doing things, even though like, mm-hmm. and then they come up with the reason later. Like, I get a little too far into like the motivation. I'm like, well, there's no mm-hmm. current reason for him to do that. And it's like, well, invent one and start doing things. That way, you're yeah. playing the game and getting engaged, and then you'll find your way back into that groove. I, I feel so, you there a lot. So Danny uh, leads us into actually our next topic here very well is adjusting to that change so i guess my, my question would be um mason brought up reinventing goals or making new ones to help him i guess uh, regain connection with his character is that an approach you would take or would you consider bringing in a new character? What what's what's your line of thought there? It's a good question. Or maybe maybe even one of us uh, can help kind of uh, ground Theo with their story arcs as well. You know, it is it is a <laughs> we're, we're we're a three man party, so yeah. Uh, here, here's a weird question, in, in, unless you have anything, Danny, but it looks like you're kind of thinking. Because um, I've, a, a, as a fellow player at the table, right, you, you've expressed this and also I've, I've seen it, which, um, and I've wondered if, because uh, ultimately, for context for those listening, uh, th- during a, an event where Theo, was try- Theo, Danny's character, was trying to resurrect his dad, uh, his memory was altered, and then later on it was altered again in an attempt to repair them. Uh, and so his, basically every memory he has had throughout the entire campaign has been changed as far as what his motivation was. And the well, rest of the party, yeah, go for it. Well, I was going to say, and beyond that, that resulted in a kind of fun mechanic, but it also resulted in me completely reclassing my yeah. character. And so there's not only the narrative layer, but also just like the mechanical where you have to learn a new effectively as far as the mechanics so you have to learn a new character um which i i will absolutely say can add to the the disconnect um i'll tell a bit one of the stories i've had where i fully disconnected from a character and i had to make a new one and part of it was just like the mechanics weren't working right and so because it is ultimately a game the interface i have with the game is the mechanics those don't support that it it's alienating um but for the narrative aspect i've been chewing for a while and I don't know why I didn't just ask um, my character especially but D- Dave's character as well have a, a, an amount of knowledge about what has happened to Theo um, and potentially have leads to f- fully rectifying his memory neither have offered that to Theo um, but I as a player could easily say hey Danny is that something you would like to explore and if my character brought that up would that give you like a motivation, an area to go, something to grow into that would be interesting to you. Because as, as players helping write the story together, right, through our actions, we can also do that as people and say, is this a mm-hmm. plot, is oh, yeah. this a direction that would be cool to you or, or do you want to just leave it? I mean, out of, out of character, communication is huge. Is important. Because it's, it's this... not like we're trying to write a whole arc about it, but it's just like, <laughs> is this something you want to explore? And then we can see what happens as we walk down that road. Yeah, I mean, to, to, to mount off that, Mason, I want to say, like, it's, it's not 
just the DM's job to hook the players. You know, if yeah. if you don't like, if you're not, if you're not uh, integrating meshing well with your players, your co-players. I mean, well, what are you doing in that group? You know, I, I, I for one personally would absolutely love and jump at the opportunity to host an in-person D&D game. Why? Because all these guys are my friends. Uh, I know D&D flows better. Just everything is better in person. We can actually mm-hmm. have snacks. Yes. <laughs> Danny can fart if he wants. <laughs> Danny can also hold his farts. Danny can also. It's real. Yes. Don't take that from me. <laughs> <laughs> you will. <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, t- talk to, uh, if you're running into kind of a disassociation between player and party, uh, talk to your talk to your players. Talk to your DM, obviously. But again, players can help facilitate that reattachment to uh, a player and their character. Yeah. So, like, I'm gonna ask again, genuinely, Danny. Would like, do you think that might help? Would you want to explore, that? or do you want to kind of keep Theo in this changed state? Um. Yeah, um, definitely. I know it's like a really big question. And a I know, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, great. I've got to record this answer for the public. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also have it right you now. Know, um, we, I would say you don't even need to answer right now. Well, it's just something. I mean, definitely something that intrigues me, especially because okay. I, I think that's a huge part of why I'm feeling disconnected with yeah. my character is just the motive. Because I, um, I, hopefully I'm giving enough context for those at home, but I'll, we, we ran this and I've really enjoyed how we ran where we all had an arc of the campaign all three of us where it was getting acquainted with each other we had a clear enemy we beat it and then we had a very clear cliffhanger that led into okay there are three possible branches we could go into and they're basically origin arcs um this is Mm -hmm. theo's origin um also there's some stuff going off with pit and starry but like mine was hit next and that's what it kind of felt to me and we went through that arc and I feel like the whole party really played well with it. Mm-hmm. And now that that's done, it's kind of like mentally I'm feeling the, okay, I'm going to be polite and I'm just going to support these two. Also, I lost my memories anyway. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, what motive do I have? Like my motive was to bring back my mom and, oh wait, I forgot about that. And my dad's here now but he's here and so it's done. Yeah. <laughs> um and so I think it is just like maybe just following the other two around isn't enough motive, but it's also like I don't want that to detract from the arc we're in cuz I, I I love the story of the arc we're in right now. Yeah. Um I think it's maybe I'm being too timid because I I'm afraid of pulling too much attention to myself. And of hogging the narrative too much. Oh, man. To the point where now I'm not involving myself enough. I'm going to tell you, Danny, um, I, I feel you there as well. 
I mentioned that I, earlier. Um, we all feel that way. <laughs> don't like just just go for it. Like just go for those because we all we all cool. love creating yeah. stuff. We all love homebrewing, yeah. and I think that was also part of the issue. Is I think I went a little off the rails homebrew wise for somebody who's played very little. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Danny, Your stuff's cool Danny, though. Danny, you didn't. Right. <laughs> it feels um, like I did when I get here and I'm like, I don't know how these mechanics work that I wrote six months ago. <laughs> yeah. For uh we're we're trying to take mostly a player perspective here, just for the listeners. Um but I'm gonna take a slight GM perspective for you, Danny, that w- just for, for perspective's sake for you. I, I've talked with Trevor a little bit about like planning this art because we're both planning continually the the longest campaigns we've ever run as uh, respective GMs. And, and so we've talked a bit, um, especially like between episodes when we're doing like solo stuff because you two are busy. And, and he's mentioned like one of the big things on his forefront is trying to make sure that there are hooks in everything going forward for all three of us that are going to then converge towards the end. Um, and so he he's definitely got something going on behind the scenes. I genuinely don't know what, but I know he's got something going on behind the scenes for you and your whole plot arc that has already happened. Um, some of that will emerge. And don't be afraid to interact with that stuff or to leave hook, leave things for him to grab onto in your character and for you going forward with this. Because then, especially as you're kind of reinventing this character, if you give, if you do things that are interesting to you, take actions or, you know, create story that is interesting to you that you are wanting to create, then he's going to be able to hook onto that and then help build something that you're both invested in again. Absolutely. Um, and so don't be afraid especially like the, the the less engaged you're feeling do more stuff like if if somehow you're hogging the spotlight we'll, we'll let you know in a reasonable respectful way because we're, we're friends we've been doing this for so long we're, we're able to have that conversation right. if we need to um obviously it feels very different inside and i totally get that you know to uh i'm, I'm sorry danny but i'm gonna yank the blinding spotlight off of you and give you a bit of reprieve here. Thank um, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to voice, you know, my own, literally toot my own horn here, but uh, something occurred within our campaign that my character uh, was completely broadsided by. Uh, it has to do with her age and the age of her daughter um, that just was recently introduced to the party and it's made me start really thinking about how how I'm going to play this because um, it, it, it forced me personally to alter a huge just swath of, of story that I had generated for my character like future plans uh you know plans through pitt's arc um and i'm still working on it uh but one one thing uh just one thing i wanted to enunciate is i i personally connect with uh story I, I connect with, with I want to say, st- story hooks. That's what I look for in a campaign. And I choose which ones I take and which ones I don't. And 
I, when Trevor introduced this, it caught me off guard, and I, it left me scrambling. You know, I'm like, I don't know what to do here. I'm thinking about it. How do I, uh, how do I balance this with all the other problems that my character has? You know, uh, goals, aspirations, and such. So, I mean, Mason, like, you're. How much of your character did you really have planned out before your arc started? Um, again, a lot of, like, motivation stuff. Um, the, the big thing about, like, the nature of Pitt's arc is he's returning home after 20-plus years. And so there's not tons I can really plan out. Because the, mm -hmm. the nature of what he returns home to is completely uncertain. And the, the nature of his backstory is that it has definitively changed in a dramatic way. Uh... So I can't plan for any of that. Uh, what I can plan for is what kind of emotional circumstances I'm hoping he gets put into that, that put his motivations in conflict with each other. Because uh, that's going to drive me to very interesting character decision, decisions that show how he has grown or not grown to myself and to you as the fellow players at the table. Because um, I, I think that's what makes really interesting and dynamic stories. So you're, you have a situation where it's kind of the opposite of, of Danny's. See, we started with Danny's arc. Mm -hmm. So his story was front and center from the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, the hooks were there. Everything was great. And it was your job and my job to kind of tag along and support Theo through his story arc. <clears throat> And lots of stuff happened. Like, we weren't passive supporters by any means. No. Uh, and now it's kind of flipped where, where your character, Mason, has kind of been passive-ish for, I would say, half the campaign, or at least a third of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Because you have this huge ambiguous backstory that you don't really have a lot, uh, a huge ability to plan around. Well, and, and part of that, as far as like his actions, his actions have also been ambiguous. Because one of the core beliefs that Pitt has is to not make choices that remove choices from other people. And so he, he, he will support Theo in effectively anything that Theo wants. He will make sure, you know, if Theo is setting out to a goal, Pitt will do everything to help him accomplish it. Because... He has no internal desire to change that for Theo. Um, and now he's in a spot where he's literally in the spotlight and having to make those choices that impact everyone around him in a way he doesn't like to make them, um, which is really interesting for me. Well, that's super fascinating because this whole time Pitt's been a commander. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Like he, he's, whole story. he's always been thrust into that position, and that's one of the things that's frustrating for him. Um when Starry and Theo definitely let Pitt make a lot of the decisions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's very interesting, you know, how that keeps happening. Um, the the interesting thing is, since we're kind of talking about like losing that spark, is like you know, Pitt's been a pretty consistent guy the whole way through. There's been some important changes very recently he's gone through. Um, the point where I have felt the least connected with him and with this campaign and whatnot is probably the two or three sessions during and after um, resurrecting Theo's dad. Um, the, the session before, during, and after. Yeah. 
um, th those three sessions. Um, and it's for a variety of reasons. Number one is uh, I was just stressed the crap out in real life. Like I, I was working crazy hard in school and, and job and all this other stuff. Everything had hit a peak there. Um, That's a big part you can't downplay really yeah. affects gameplay. Yeah. yeah, if your real life is kind of like not balanced out, your ability to enjoy the game is just is gonna be impacted sometimes for the better. And that's nothing anyone should feel guilty about. Yeah, in in my and case, it was for happens. the worst, and it's not like how how dare everybody not accommodate me and everything I need. No, it's <laughs> like sometimes I just need to recognize and be able to say like, hey guys, I can't do a session this week because I'm not gonna be able to get into it. And I'm gonna be a sourpuss, and it's gonna be miserable yeah. to play with yeah. me. That that's well, a completely reasonable reason to delay or cancel a session. Never Listen, feel bad about that. Another view on that, and I couldn't agree with Mason more, but another view on that is if you just, if you want to go to a session with your friends, if you want to be there, and you, you're, you're able to make the time to be there, you can just go to a session and be like, hey guys, I'm going to kind of take a back seat here. I just want to hang with you absolutely you know it's just say it you know you're, yeah. you're they're your friends <laughs> um and so the disconnect i was this one's interesting though because um i was feeling it because pit was also feeling disconnected like basically all the main plots that was happening without pit pit was not there for theo's uh, dad to get resurrected um, that was tough and, and that's that a weird situation. That is literally the longest Pitt has been away from either of these two during like actual crisis moments, and and he's yeah. the person who will do everything to make sure no one gets hurt but him, right? So that's a huge moment for him to like be stressed out about. Um, he's got all, he's being thrust again into a position of prominence in the, the town we've saved a million times. He was literally given a mine, right, and mm -hmm. told okay run it and, and an start army. a army and 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 <laughs> run an army that you've inadvertently raised, you know. Um, and, and then going into kind of clean up our party's mess from earlier in the campaign. And so it was, it was interesting because now I, I'm okay with how I felt then. Cause like it reflected how my character would have felt where he's like, we, we had just finished Theo's arc. Um, and we're, we're traveling into kind of a world of like high magic and high power that as a non-caster pit was not prepared for. Right. And so it, <laughs> It, his emotional response kind of reflected within me and vice versa, obviously, because it probably originated in me being tired and whatnot. Um, but retrospectively, I don't mind it as much because then it helped me get into a groove later. But at the time, it was, it was frustrating because it's like, you know, I'm here and I, I want to be doing things, but I can't because I'm separated from the party. Um, and that's that's a tough experience to, to deal with. Um, and so kind of we've we've gone around about about it a little bit tonight just kind of introducing the topic but what we want to do is show like number one this is not an uncommon thing like we we've talked for over 20 episodes at this point i'm fairly certain about tabletop gaming our campaign and how much we love it and you know we love each other we're great friends and we want to spend so much time doing the indie we're making a podcast about it <laughs> and we have experienced this so if you're feeling it and you're like oh i'm feeling out of it and I must be like a bad player or as a GM I'm, I'm a bad GM because I'm, I'm losing the spark from my campaign no you're not um, something's going on let's try and figure out what it is and and maybe solve it um, Identify the problem. do you mind if I bring up my example from earlier that I, I mentioned with the character 
Oh, please. Okay. okay. I just feel like I talked for this. I didn't want to dominate. But, um, <laughs> want, yeah, I want to see what you guys would do in a similar experience. So the character I had, her name was Sammy. She was a nine-year-old girl um, out adventuring. She's an illusionist. Um, and uh, basically the kind of character motivation I have is she wants to just obtain as much magical knowledge as possible for a backstory reason to be determined later. Um, so I, I know there is a hook and I can create it whenever it feels comfortable. And uh, I want it to be kind of a nine-year-old girl who wants to adventure but is also thrust into it and so doesn't really do combat stuff. We were playing in Pathfinder, a system where you really need to specialize into non-combat stuff or combat stuff. Um, we were in a module being run by one of uh, one of my friends. The module ended up being fairly high combat in general. And it was my first time playing Pathfinder, and I found out that illusion magic is terrible in Pathfinder. <laughs> it is... You basically might as well be a non-leveled NPC if you're picking up magic. It's yes. illusion magic. It's so bad. And so not only could I not participate in the fights um, because I didn't know what kind of module we were getting to. None of us did. It's not like the GM hit it from us. We just were like, yeah, that, that module sounds cool. Let's do it. You know. Um, but then the non-combat stuff we could do, I couldn't interact with effectively either. And then I, I personally just chafed under the mechanics of like, I want to do this cool illusion stuff, but it never works the way that makes sense in my head. And so I got disconnected from the whole campaign, and I was like, I still want to have fun with these people. I can't have fun with this character. So I just retired the character and made a new one that like fit the tone of the party, the tone of the really? campaign better, and, and like mechanically fit in with Pathfinder, the things the campaign was asking us to be able to do through the rules better. Um, and I started having a lot more fun because of that. Okay. Um, if you were in a similar situation, it, it, further context, we were probably maybe 10 or so se sessions in. So, like, a reasonable way. And we'd hit, like, level 5 or so. Um, but we were, you know, in this, it's like a four-book arc. And we were at the very beginning of book two. So there was still a long way to go. We knew that much. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm not feeling this character. It's kind of disrupting stuff. Mind if I swap it out? Would you guys do a similar thing? Or how would you handle it if you know, like, your character just doesn't fit in a way that is good? both mechanically and narratively. Uh, Danny, would you like to go or me? Um, if you have a thought, you can go. Okay, I'll go. Uh, let's see. What I would do, firstly, is um, I am chafing against some of those same issues in 5th edition. Um, it's just... Mainly mechanics. It's mainly mechanical. Uh, so what I've done, or what I would do in Mason's situation, is I would talk to the DM and just kind of let him know, or let them know uh, my, my opinion on the issue. And I would earnestly, if I liked the character, I would earnestly try to... Uh, homebrew mechanics if, if that was possible however if that wasn't possible or the DM just didn't feel like it I would completely understand and at that point I mean I'm not enjoying the game so I would just retire the character and make a new one yeah like that that's the closest to a fail state we have right it's like well just make a new character like you you know enough about the campaign to make a character that fits in 
So your next character, you're guaranteed, you're, you're not guaranteed, but you're significantly more likely to enjoy and be doing the things that you want to do, you know? Um, I, just for the sake of sh sharing the experience, I had also gone through that same thought process of like, oh, should we homebrew some stuff? I decided not to because this was a new GM. It was his first time GMing. And because I was chafing against illusion magic and how it is bad, and illusion magic in general is sort of the most abstract as far as its uses, I didn't want him to constantly be put on the spot of like, I'm going to do this really wild thing. And he has to figure out, you know, whether it works or not in a time constraint and, and just literally make his life more stressful in that way. Well, that that's a very, very pertinent point. I yeah. They yeah. don't have the experience, they don't have the experience. Don't yeah, give, given the context, in, I, I think he genuinely could have handled it. I just didn't want to force it on him because I know he yeah. would have said yes if I asked, you know, because we're friends and he wants to have a good time. And I, yeah. I, I love him for the fact I know he would have said yes, but I just didn't feel good doing that. And, and so I didn't. And so that's that's a consideration. Um, think about, you know, it, it, I love homebrewing stuff. We, we all do. Um, <laughs> but, you know, decide if it's worth it, what you're homebrewing, you know, or is it easier to do something else? No, that's exactly, I think, where my two cents comes in on this situation, and I briefly mentioned earlier, is I think I over-homebrewed. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's actually interesting, all three of us did a reclass, essentially, at the same time. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was weird. beyond that, David also changed the name of his character. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's really interesting we all picked the same time, and maybe it's because we were all feeling a little stale, and it was almost a way of retiring a character, but we're writing a new one with still keeping the same one in the same story. Yep. Yeah. That's um, actually a valid point. Like, you could fully reclass without even homebrewing right if it fits you can point, reclass. You can just reclass well and that's where i'm thinking right now is and the past couple times we played so i homebrewed and the past couple times the mechanics if i even use them aren't working quite right so i have some retooling i need to do and it's just been hard having the motivation to do that at the end of the day when i've been working all day mm -hmm. yes. um but i think I think you can over homebrew, and I think that's what I did, especially as a new character or new character, a new player. Um, and I feel like I really hit a really comfortable spot where my character was probably dangerous in Trevor's eyes, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's um, <laughs> that's also partially why I got <laughs> magically neutered. <laughs> hey, um, but also. Fair. He did give you a choice. Well, a and choice. to be fair, because I do, especially since he's not here, I want to be fair to Trevor. He gave me a choice, and I came back the next day saying, hey, I actually think this makes for a better story. Yeah. I want to mm -hmm. fuck my character over even more than you want to fuck my character <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm dealing with that. And I yeah. had to write that homebrew and... I'm just work. feeling like I'm. Ha I need to reel it in. For for full context, he uh, he he plays Theo the Druid, and as part of the the memory alteration, all that stuff, he he had uh, he fully re reclassed his subclass, and, and Danny built an entirely new subclass with some new yes, features. I was Circle of the Moon, and now I homebrewed a Circle of the Sun because yeah. we were playing with duality, which is a strong theme in our yeah. campaign. So. Uh, sort of in the area of like homebrew and design, you specifically mentioned like being tired, just like at the end of the day, right? Like 
putting a lot of time into D&D is exciting and fun, but it also is a lot of time and as a result, a lot of energy. Uh, there's been times in the game that I specifically run and I'm still running and have, have been running for, I think, two years or so now, um, where I just kind of had, to, we, we were going every week. Um, it was, I think, last fall. We'd been going every week all summer because uh, we all had basically nothing going on. And we'd been flying through doing a lot of really cool stuff. But I just started feeling, not necessarily like burnt out, but I, as a person, have weirdly high expectations of myself. Um, and I'm, in general, very critical of myself. Um, I'm a very... So you, as a person, are a person? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I'm a very critical thinker, right? I, I analyze a lot of things, and that, that is very much centered on myself, um, as, as for most people. And so the, the sessions I was running, I wasn't satisfied with. And so I just kind of said, hey, can we go to every other week? Um, and th- the, I took so long making that decision because I knew like f- from a measurement standpoint, you know, in air quotes or whatever, the, the sessions were still pretty good. They, by going to every other week, I'd probably get like maybe 10 or 20% better, right? There were still very acceptable sessions, but I, I'd be looking back over my notes or thinking about it the next day and realizing like there were things I could have done to make it even better than I hadn't. And I want to run really good sessions. I want to run the best sessions I can. I think that's what makes people grow. Um, and so even if it wasn't like, these sessions are going to be the best things ever, they're going to be the best I can do by slowing down that pace. It allowed me to reconnect to the campaign because I was getting disconnected where like, um, I was kind of just losing focus. It, it brings me back to like the, the di- going digital that Danny brought up where like that really had an impact. After we went every other week, I realized the impact that going digital and having to make maps was having on me because all of my prep time, instead of being like prepping cool things to do, cool things to happen, exciting plot hooks, interesting encounters, it was just make a map to put on Roll20, which is the service we used personally. Yeah. Um, uh, we used it in both the campaigns I'm involved in. We used Roll20 to, to do our online tabletop. And once we went to every other week, suddenly... By committing the same amount of time, I could do maps one week. The next week where I'm actually going to run it, I can look at those maps and design the things we're doing on them. And I was able to get a lot more excited because I got to do the fun part. Making maps, I enjoy making maps. Um, Making every single map and every single floor in a dungeon they're going to is not interesting. (laughs) Because most of those rooms are effectively empty with a very basic encounter. Making the cool maps with the interesting fights and the things that are happening that are dynamic, that's exciting. Dude, dude. One lesson I've learned just the hardest way possible. Uh, You do have to grind through the boring stuff to get to the good stuff. Yeah. In almost every part of life. (laughs) Yeah, and effectively what had happened is I just wasn't having enough time to grind through the boring stuff to get to the fun part. I I was able to still ad-lib it during the session and, like, you know, back-of-my-mind type stuff, but I wasn't able to, like, sit down and organize it. But to get that extra layer of polish. Personally you know? satisfying. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads into um, how to deal with dry spells. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, how to reconnect with your character, how to get back into the game after a long time uh, abstaining from the game for whatever reason. Um, you know, for me, personally, I could write... 
I could. This is this is one of the subjects I could talk for days about, because of how much content I've produced that will never see the light of day, because <laughs> of shiftings in the campaign and uh, various other issues. So, I mean, how do I deal with dry spells? To put it succinctly, I just keep. <sighs> daydreaming about playing D&D. &D. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a problem. I know. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, a genuinely, that's a genuinely great way to do it, right? Is maintaining your engagement at a personal level since we can't do it at a group level. Um, that's an excellent way to do it. Um, how, how have you handled it, Danny? Because um, it's tough. It is tough. I I think for me, I've been lucky enough. I've had to take a break from it long enough mm -hmm. that when I come back, I'm always like, oh, my God, I miss this so much. Yeah, you're excited. And I'm excited. Um, but now I feel like we're in the full swing of things and I'm realizing um, what I need to do to deal with it is repent. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I need to put in the time because I think I personally got comfortable with not touching it that we get. Uh, I think part of the issue is five sessions ago, uh, Trevor even mentioned it, but I, I agreed with him. And it was like, hey, there's some mechanics that are off with this new class um and i keep coming on every week and then realizing oh shoot i did not take the time to fix mm -hmm. that and so i think i personally just need to take some time and work on that personally but i also want to say vice versa i think that sometimes it's probably easy to overwork yourself and you need to take that break yeah to get the, excited again that's the balance that's i struggle fine. with too is all I, I do the same thing with breaks where I just kind of, I'll put on some stuff thinking wise, but in general, I just enjoy the anticipation best I can without becoming miserable. And then I, I get hit uh, a little bit later with the like, oh, I'm behind on all this other stuff, whether it's notes or just remembering things that happened, catching on to plot threads I'd tried to start as a player, or as a GM. Or, you know, mechanics I started on and dropped because, oh, I have months to worry about that. And suddenly it's two months past I needed it. <laughs> so I, I, I feel that same exact spectrum you just described, Danny. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's fun. Whatever you end up deciding on how to address a draught of gameplay or uh, some issues with party cohesion... Uh, not relating to your character, to their goals, or kind of getting bored of your character. Um, I think we've offered we've offered some solutions that worked for us. Uh, ultimately, <clears throat> it's a cooperative game. Talk to your players, talk to your DM, and brainstorm because you know they're. You're all there to have fun, and if somebody's not having fun, then there's a problem. Then why are you doing it? It's why a game. Why are you doing it, man? Why yeah. are you doing it? Um, so. <laughs> I think a, 
uh, one last question we could probably ask, because we've talked a lot about like ways to solve the problem. Um, I don't know about you guys, but the times I've been disconnected, it took a while for me to realize it. And that took even longer for me to figure out why. And so what, what are some ways or advice you might have to, because you don't want to be like constantly like, oh, am I just going to, you know, question, like, am I having fun at the D&D table? Like, if you're having fun, just roll with it. But how, how do you find the problem areas once they start to exist and like address that within yourself? Because that's, that's a hard question in real life as well, right? It's just like, why am I dissatisfied with this kind of thing? And is it something I should be concerned about? Or is it like, I'm just, you know, my, my uh, expectations are misaligned, which is typically the, the thread we've hit on, I think, is, is something along the lines of expectations. Expectation yeah. is the root of all suffering. <laughs> Looking at you, Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, uh, I know that's a tough to... question because that's the, I, the, the hard part. I I have an easy answer though. Oh, what is it? <laughs> and it's interested. talk to your fucking friends. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because I've been feeling this for so long, and we're getting here tonight, and I'm like. Wow, I, I've not been honest enough with myself, but I think more so I've not been honest enough with you guys. And I think that kind of goes back to the limitations we're on digitally. Yeah. Because um, yeah. you and I, Mason, every time I started to feel this way, we would have carpool rides and we'd have a half hour together to talk. And I could tell you, dude, I don't know how to feel about this. Dude, you I, know? I have legitimately, like, so many times I'm like, Dave, can we just come to your house? I know you have a baby and whatnot, and we don't want to get her sick, but can you, can you just come to your house? Because of those carpool rides, dude. I freaking love those rides. Dude. No, same. But, like, I oh, and we just, I, Trevor needs to come back out here. We need to, I think the other remedy is remembering to hang out with your D&D friends doing non-D&D related stuff. Yeah. Yes. No. Because... We used to do that. We used, <laughs> we used to, to be cool, man. <laughs> I, I'm so stoked because tomorrow I'm going camping. Um, it was going to be a camp out with my other D&D group. And we're all going to go and it's going to be like a whole weekend of D&D. Um, and we, I I'd carefully planned out so that the the big war they're trying to start, we could do it on this weekend. Um, which is going to be sweet comes up like two or three people can't make it and i'm like at first i was disappointed and like man you know I, I planned some stuff but honestly i'm like it has been a while since we hung out and didn't do D. Mm -hmm. and as much as i love D and tabletop gaming ultimately it's about spending time with friends and if you could if you're such good friends you can not do D and still have a good time that's amazing do <laughs> well, just do it just on top of that man i cannot over overstate the importance of just taking a deliberate and well-intentioned break yeah from any hobby from oh from yeah anything just Please. to mentally recuperate catch up on 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 relationships with your friends uh with loved ones just talk to them no that that uh, space is important <laughs> that's that's a really good point dave no, that was originally one of the reasons I love this group so much is because it's not tied to any other facet of my life that I'm always so stressed about. 
Mm-hmm. And then it's to the point now I get stressed about D and D. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm thinking, oh, I have to prepare for this weekend, or oh, this, oh, uh, you know. Yeah, I hate hearing it, Daddy. I hate hearing we, it. Weird question. <laughs> do you think? Do you think the podcast has helped with that? It has for I think me. It has. We're like, oh, oh, we don't have, we can't do D and D. Cool, we'll just throw together an episode, right? Where mm-hmm. we still get to just hang out and effectively talk. Yeah, we we, we have a bit of trappings on it you know, with the recording and all that stuff. But ultimately, it is just us getting together and hanging out. Oh, yeah. Which, oh, yeah. if it changes from that, then we need to look at things and change it back. Cause... <laughs> guys, this is serious business. <laughs> Stay on task. Have you guys... I think I had this discussion with you guys before, but it's specifically about imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, Which I think has been really talked about in media, especially with probably a lot of the mental health issues we all got as collateral damage from 2020 (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but essentially those of you at home who probably already know what imposter syndrome is it's just the idea that despite your obvious credentials and achievements um still feeling like you don't belong or you don't deserve the success you've had or you don't belong with a certain group that you're not worthy and I think this podcast has helped with me realizing, oh, other people feel the same feelings I feel. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the cure for imposter syndrome is talking to other people and realizing, oh, no, everyone else is also dealing with stuff. No, I've... And I think that that's another, I mean, going back to my point, you just need to talk to, and maybe it's not your whole group, maybe it's a couple good friends in that group. Um, yeah. but just talking to other people and realizing, oh no, we all actually have dry spells in D and D. We all have connection issues sometimes. No, that's that's Absolutely. really well put. Um, I've I've dealt with that imposter syndrome type five as a D and I deal with that constantly. Um, I think it's just like my childhood anxiety coming back to haunt me or something, but yeah, I, that'll get me so bad sometimes. Um, and, and talking to other people and validating each other a little bit, like in a genuine manner is, is important and helpful, right? Where you can be like, yeah, this thing was really sweet or, you know, just saying like, tonight was awesome. Thanks for all being here guys. It's great to play with you or whatever like that. Oh yeah whenever like when i'm having one of those days and a player just says that that like that literally lights the spark up for me when, when it's died a little bit just because of my own like mental stuff you know like that's i agree that's i huge. love praise yeah mm. it's it's important <laughs> <laughs> and like it's easy to come off and make the sound like oh praise me for running around some session is a gym but like no i you want to feel like you're pulling yeah. your weight in the group it's a game yeah. but well, you want to feel listen, like you're bringing listen. to the table what everyone else is yes yeah exactly we all want to feel like we're pulling our own weight but on, on top of that we i think i think a lot of players and especially dms really underestimate how much effort they put into the game they're playing yeah everyone puts a lot of effort in if you if you're passionate about something you're not even noticing the amount of effort you're putting into it Mm -hmm. and it's it's a ton of effort to run a cooperative story because you're considering everything you know it's um 
you're also dealing with each other's, you know, emotions. Like, it can get really personal, these games. And, uh, you have to, you have the willpower to differentiate between real life and not. And, uh, just take a break, you know? Treat yourself. Yeah, that'll age wonderfully. <laughs> no, uh, it already has. <laughs> it, it really has. But if if you see anyone at the table do something awesome, just let them know how awesome it was. Like genuinely, because it probably did not happen by accident. Like entirely, they put some amount of work into it, whether they realized it or not. And so letting them know that like you thought that was really cool, you know, if they if they gave some one off speech that they ad libbed on the spot, and it was dope. Tell them, <laughs> you know. Well, and if yeah. you if you notice somebody at the table, especially if you're in a large group and you happen to be one of the closer people to them, and they are, you feel like they might be having those connectivity issues, that loss of spark. Try to create a comfortable space for them to talk to you about it and see if there's anything you can do as a group. I mean, we've yeah. done that a couple times. And We've realized, hey, we all need to talk. <laughs> Enunciation on the comfortable space. All right, mm. uh, nobody, nobody, nothing's going to improve if somebody feels like they're going to be antagonized for voicing their their legitimate problems. Yeah. You know? um, obviously, don't be a griefer, but. Yeah. In our group, we're all close. We all trust each other, and when somebody says they have a problem, we all take it seriously. And it's worked wonders for us, um, and I think it'll continue doing the same thing. Yeah, um, I think one last thing before we move to our cap to end the episode. Uh, something that I feel is fairly uh, an on-the-nose way to help create a conversation point for groups that if you know your group is close enough to do that but you guys just haven't actually taken that step for that conversation to happen um and you want to propose a way to open that up without like saying we should talk about our feelings more or whatever if you're <laughs> if you feel like that's awkward totally understand that we should um, talk. <laughs> but if you want to create like a, a conversation opener for that kind of thing um dave you i believe are the one that came up with our initiative method do you want to describe that i know we've mentioned it in the past but or not initiative, um, inspiration. Oh. We brought that back recently. I think it kind of really helps with that whole experience we just talked I about. Yeah. yeah, no, I love it. It's a in-game. It's an in-game method for players to reward everybody at the table. Uh, for example, is like either last session or a couple session go. I gave the DM inspiration for something he did with one of his NPCs that I thought was amazing. Um, it's, we only get, I think, one per game was the rule. Yeah. But it's each, a loose rule. Each it's player a, can roughly yeah. nominate one person to get inspiration for something awesome they did that session. It's at the and end of the session. They can just bank it. They notate mm -hmm. it down, and they can use it whenever. And... It's just given us all an opportunity to to congratulate each other on yep. hard work, you know, on, on cool accomplishments. It's not necessarily even hard work; just good rolls at some point might might 
might earn a point of inspiration from one of us. It's something just we do to wrap up the session. Yeah. The the big thing I think that really helps it take it from just like, oh, it's a mechanical thing to like, it starts that conversation is at least two people. The, the person saying it has to have at least one other person agree. Yeah. That the inspiration is It needs warranted. to be seconded. Right? It has to be yeah. seconded because then, then at least one other person at the table say, oh, yeah, that was really sweet. They definitely get inspiration. And then immediately there's a conversation about all the cool stuff that happened that session. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's a really great way. Like, try that at your tables. Players, you can absolutely propose that and be like, hey, you know, can we do this thing as a way to reward each other and the GM for cool stuff they do? I think it's really sweet. Yes. Great imposter syndrome remedy. Yeah. Because <laughs> then everyone's looking for ways to reward each other, right? <laughs> Which is good. And everyone's feeling validated and like yeah. everyone's playing their part. Yeah. And also... It works on bad guys, too. Yep. If There's a really good villain. Yep. If, if you really took the shaft that session <laughs> and you think, hey, that yep. daddy that dominated me earns an inspo point. Yep, That's he did good. good. He did good. <laughs> so then, uh, t- seems like it's time for a recap. Should we roll for initiative? I uh, think we should. For those at home, this is our second time doing it. We took a break last week because it didn't fit. Um, the way this works, we roll initiative... Whoever gets the high roll uh, goes first. They have 30 seconds to recap all of the key points that we hit on this episode. Um, And then each person after them in the initiative order then has six seconds of combat round to add anything that they thought that person missed. Who do you want to run the timer? Uh, I can run a timer. Okay, perfect. Well, I rolled a two, so... Not me. I got a 19. Um, I'm killing it on rolls the past couple times. Heck yeah. I don't get to complain about it anymore, I guess. <laughs> I don't want 30 minutes. 30 yeah. minutes to recap our hour episode. <laughs> I mean, if anyone could do that, it's us. <laughs> Alrighty. I'm going to start in 3, 2, 1. So, this episode we've talked about how it is very common, as we showed through a couple of examples, for people in any long-term engagement, especially a tabletop game, because it is a hobby, to at times uh, lose their connection with it, lose a little bit of the spark, and as a result, feel justifiably sad that you know they're not enjoying it as much as they once did. We talked about a variety of ways to identify and remedy that solution. A lot of them being just talking about the way you're feeling with your friends, or talking about the campaign, and what's going on, uh, and that can help. That's my time. Let's get a six-second timer. Man, we hit a lot more in this episode than that, but that is okay. <laughs> uh, Dave, you're up next. You got six seconds in three, two, one. All right, if you run into any of these problems, dry spells or anything, think about how to fix that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Six seconds is short, and dude. That's it. Think uh, about how to fix that. <laughs> we're going to have to learn how to get better at this. Holy cow. Um, you ready, Danny? Yep. All right. Three, two. Uh, be sure to talk to your friends and be sure you're having a good time and knowing when to take a break and when to work. Oh, nice. <laughs> that is actually nice. stressful. That is, that that is, is very stressful, <laughs> especially when you waste the first three seconds thinking, oh, yeah, what was I going to do? I know. <laughs> I wasted like my first two seconds, like, breathing. <laughs> 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 oh.